When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it was generally assumed the story was symbolic and the fruit was some common edible, such as an apple. The physical elements of the story are the least important part of it. In the minds of most readers there are only two possibilities. The story of Genesis is symbolic and a parable of a spiritual event that has no physical correlate. In this way of thinking the story explains that at some point in time mankind offended God and caused a break in the relationship. In this scenario the fruit has no special meaning and the tree only refers to something mankind was not to know or experience. The other possibility people consider is that the story is true, the garden a real place and the fruit was something real Adam and Eve were not to touch. In short, the common view is that the story is either true or not and if not true there is no point in trying to put much meaning on it. However, if it is true in the way people generally think it is true, it makes little sense. If the story is literally true, a lot of issues need to be resolved. Many of these surely appear insolvable. For example, if Eden was a real place, would it not have been found on earth, complete with angels and burning swords, even if it could not be entered? If not true, what does this mean for the rest of the Bible? However, there is another and third possibility. It might be that the persons who pose this dualistic quandary create the dichotomy, but do not have a clue as to what they are talking about. One could be more polite about the situation, of course, but the reality is that those who think in these terms are not spiritual persons. They do not live in the spirit. The issue posed is a physical one created by fleshly beings thinking in fallen world terms. Below we will discuss what the story of Eden is about, really. It seems that few people understand the obvious. If man is to be reborn in the spirit, the spirit is our original estate. There are not three states of man. We were not created in sin and therefore were not created in the flesh. Eden is a place of the spirit. The fall of Adam and Eve consisted of falling out of grace, which is falling out of a state in which they lived in faith. What could have happened? It certainly was not a corruption of the perfect spirit and it was not the flesh going from perfect flesh to imperfect flesh. The killing of the animals for a covering illustrates the flesh had become visible. Man was no longer spiritual and could be seen as flesh. Man's fall is man going from spiritual to physical and this is accompanied by the ejection from the Garden of Eden, representing the spiritual realm, into the natural realm. Flesh cannot gain entry into the spiritual realm, thus, we need a rebirth, which is of course a dying to the physical world to be reborn in the spiritual world. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil had a fruit or a consequence. It bore something or produced something. But why would the knowledge of good and evil create a negative result? Is not all knowledge good? However, this is not just knowledge, it is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Trees are systems or organizations. A system of knowledge about good and evils is ethics. The story of evil is the story of ethics and ethical systems that give rise to governments. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of this tree, they imbibed a knowledge as a way of life. The fruit is their internalizing the information. 
ethical systems are incompatible with the system of God. The imagery of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the story of shifting from the system God uses to an ethical system. The eating of the fruit is their entry into a philosophical alternative to God, called naturalism. Their ejection from the garden portrays the total division between the ways of God and the ways of man. The devil argued that man can make up their own rules and create their own system of values. That they will not die means they can survive outside of the system devised by God. This is where the conventional understanding of Eden occurs. In leaving the system of God, man must take what is not his. Eating the fruit is to steal from God. Eating the fruit disobeyed God and broke trust with Him. We ought never to lose sight of the raw mechanics of the event. It was wrong on so many levels. But there is still the deeper, spiritual meaning. One of the problems of the conventional view of Eden is that people think, because Adam ate of the fruit is no reason why the punishment ought to extend down through the generations. But of course, this thinking relies on the conventional view of Eden. But there is a deeper meaning to the event. In fact, there is not only a good reason the sins of Adam follow us, but also there is no way to avoid them being passed on down through the generations, so long as we live in the flesh. The problem of generational sin is tied up with ethical systems. Ethical systems are composed of rules. A rule might be something we make up for our own use, but such rules do not rise to the level of being an ethical system. Ethical systems are rules and regulations that apply to a group. But obviously these rules are man-made. This goes without saying. But what rule can man make that all men can and will follow? The mere establishment of a rule will cause division. The rule does not exist that all persons will support or follow. This is why a rule without authority to enforce it is just opinion. In the honest man's dictionary a law is defined as opinion codified into a regulation administrated by means of judicial coercion or opinion issued as a regulation backed up by force, which in its modern sophisticated manifestation is referred to as a justice system. Without the power to enforce a law, the law remains an opinion. Herein is the problem, because the enforcement of the law is a costly proposition, and no one wishes to pay for others to direct and control them. So, the enforcement of the law creates social costs. The creation and regulation of legal systems requires a de facto government. Government represents a considerable cost to their subjects. Someone has to pay the administrative costs of government and the government does not create wealth. It consumes wealth. This is why so many early governments lived primarily by domestic and foreign plunder. Taxation in its modern form has reduced the need for rapine of the more brutal sort, but the consequence of living under an ethical system continues. But as Eden demonstrated, the ethical cannot accomplish their agenda without confiscating property from others. God covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve with the life of another. The flesh thinks God cannot see their nakedness, but it is them who are blind to the state they are in. It is us who are blind to the truth. If we want a car and a house but cannot afford them, we might perhaps find a way to buy one than the other, 
or we could steal them or the means to buy them. We would have a problem with finding a way to steal the resources needed to buy a house, but this is a different problem from finding a way to get them honestly. So it is when we live in an ethical systems, they put the focus on acquiring things indirectly, through first acquiring power and then extorting the weak. Like the Spanish Empire that lived by plunder, the ethical person attempts to live as a parasite. Spain forgot how to work for what it wanted, a lesson England never forgot. But the world is more inclined to follow the path of Spain than Britain. Britain is the new Israel. They are the best model we have of what it means to live in the spirit. A very flawed model but the best we have, nevertheless. If we wish to summarize the fruit of the tree, we need to depict the people produced by the flesh. Those of the flesh are liars and thieves. How this life choice will manifest varies. Some people are more of one than the other. Some are more blatant with what they do, and others more circumspect. But the flesh all lie and they all steal, one way or another. This is the thing about the tree or the world system. Everyone wishes to steal from everyone else. Yet, the thievery divides itself into two groups. The rich exploit the poor and the poor try and exploit the rich. The government tends to favor one group over the other. Thus, we end up with conservatives and the left parties and governments. One is not much better than the other, they are different kinds of criminals. The fruit of the true is the parasite that desires nothing more than to live off of others. Easy to say, hard to do. Capitalists invest capital to create a product or service they can sell. This seems enterprising and it is. But it creates a dependency in others for jobs and for the goods and services the company provides. Even after you make all the apologetic you can muster in favor of capitalism, the bottom line is that they want and need to make a profit. The whole purpose of the capitalist system is to make money work for the investor, which is just another way of a way to make free money. But someone is always doing the work, that gives us the things money can buy, so investing does not make money working for you, it makes other people do your work. One can dismiss Marx but his basic argument is valid. Capitalism alienates the worker from the value of his labor. The poor are marginally worse that capitalist as the only investment they wish to make is invalidating their inherent rights. Capitalists argue they have an inherent right to the property they acquire, and the poor argue they have an inherent right to some of this, as all property in the state belongs to the nation. Instead of fighting over who has the prior or greater claim, it is better to realize both claims are fictitious, which is why neither side can prove their arguments. We only own what we create, and no one created the natural world but God. But the left not only seeks to socialize all property, but they also want individuals to have no rights to anything. So, in this way they are more ethically motivated than other groups. The fruit of the tree is parasitism, which is another name for socialism. The more socialist, the eviler one is. So, there is a scale of evil. The morally perfect create no social costs. The moral reprobate lives to create them, because they do not intend to pay for anything they get. In between are others, 
most of which are willing to work for what they get, but glad to get whatever additional benefits they are able. Only those who are morally perfect do not live off the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil.